Hello and welcome to the movie podcast review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. My name is Daniel. I am one of your hosts today. And joining alongside me are my fellow adventurers, Anthony. Hello. And Shabazz. Let's go on an adventure. I I like, is that is that an impression of someone or is that just your adventure voice? You know, I started it mentally by... I was going to do the uh, the voice of Salah, Jonathan Rice davies uh, right. And then so quickly in the middle of it, I'm like, oh, maybe I should do Harrison Ford, though. But I, my <laughs> mind didn't decide at what time no. it should do which it, uh, impression. So I think right. it was both of them. Just it was both at the same together. time. It definitely felt yeah. like a, you know, a collaboration of both voices coming it's, through. That's what it was. That's what it was. I liked it. I liked it. Chase, since we're talking to you right now, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. I'm doing... Oh, I was, I was too excited. Oh. I think okay. I was too now, excited. Now I'm a little suspicious. I'll be honest. I, I kind of want to jump to Anthony now because I don't trust what you're about to tell I me. Know. I know. I know. I, I'm feeling I'm feeling good, man. I'm just... I'm having a good time. Uh, we just came off a very, very long week. We did, we did. like five movies uh, in theaters and, you know... Boy, are my arms tired. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did. You know, we, this is probably one of the busiest weeks outside of, you know, a film festival outside of TIFF for us because, yeah, on, on the Monday, you know, we had Transformers. And then in, later in the week, we had, you know, The Flash, Elemental, Asteroid City, Indiana Jones, Isle of Destiny. It was a really compact week. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun. It's nice. You know, this is a summer movie season, but we kind of, I felt like we knocked out all of the June movies. You know, all in one week, and now we just kind of prepare ourselves and you know bunker down until July comes. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Anthony, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm also a little not exhausted, but just withered from uh, or weathered. <laughs> weathered is the word, not withered. Uh, weathered from just you could be both though if you want. The amount of stuff that we did last week, it was just, and it's also like unexpected because every day is like a new adventure, like Indiana Jones. But it is. Uh, we don't know what's coming, and then. <laughs> We're on another adventure, so yeah, it's true. It's like Indiana Jones, but just a little bit less Nazis in the world, hopefully, from than his time period, uh, or maybe not. We don't know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, last week we also had a bunch of interviews that kind of sprung up on us because, of course, this is the movie podcast. We're going to do interviews, we're going to have reviews, and we're going to have discussions on all the latest and greatest movies. I kind of just went right into that segue, just kind of rode the wave of that. Uh, there are so many incredible episodes out right now that we would love for you to check out, including all of our coverage of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We have interviews with the cast and directors. Directors. And then we also have an interview with Daniel Pemberton, which is a bit of an extended interview. Shay, I know you're looking at, I, I, I kind of extended some of my words too. I'm, you know, I'm, now you, I'm being a little suspicious. You had like a, you had like an accent, like almost did, Swedish, yeah. I think. We, we also, also have. We also oh, have. No, actually, you know what? It was a little Nazi. It was you. a little, it was like a little, you, you know, Mads oh Mikkelsen in yeah. Indiana Jones. Like, yeah, we, you know, like, we also, we also have, I'm not going to do it anymore. He's the one that we should be getting, Anthony. You and I are Indiana Jones and Salah. Guys, I've been German this whole time. You just oh, did not realize no. it. I'm not going to do it. I, I'm so sorry to all of our German listeners. That's, we don't, that's my we job. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's your, you're the accent man. But no, we have some incredible interviews out, including uh, a really an interview I'm, I'm really proud of that we got to do with, we had about 20 minutes with Daniel Pemberton, who is the composer behind Across the Spider-Verse, as well as some of our favorite films over the last couple of years. Uh, thank you to Daniel for, for joining us on the show. Go check that out. If you loved Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, you're going to want to dive deep with us into this. You've seen the movie, you heard the soundtrack. Now let's dive 
into a conversation with the person who actually made it all happen um, on the sound wise. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. And of course, make sure you follow all of the incredible coverage that we have here on the movie podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Letterboxd. If you're watching this on YouTube, please, you know, subscribe, leave a comment below and leave us five stars on, uh, you know, Apple podcasts on Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. And of course, join our discord. We have some incredible conversations going on in there. We will open up a spoiler room for Indiana Jones. We have a bunch open up right now for shows like secret invasion for across the spider-verse and a lot more so stay tuned for all of that and more but today is all about indiana jones and the dial of destiny this film is releasing in theaters on june 30th and i want to say thank you to our friends at disney studios canada for inviting us to watch a film and for giving us some really, really cool interviews. So stay tuned for all of that. We're not going to tell you who yet, but you will see on our feed very, very soon. So stay tuned for all of that. Let's get right into it. Of course, this is Harrison Ford returning for the fifth and final, we're assuming it has to be the final, entry in the Indiana Jones saga. I'm going to kick it over to Anthony for your first reactions. Anthony, I'd love your first reactions, but also your kind of thoughts going into uh, this film. And of course, we will stay spoiler free. I would have said, you know, a month ago that Indy was going to be my most anticipated film of the year. It's just been a really long time. The last one came out in 2008. It didn't kind of hit me like the other ones had, but I was expecting this movie to be, you know, that summer blockbuster that I was looking forward to. It had James Mangold behind it. And boy, oh boy, was I wrong. Indiana Jones. And the Dial of Destiny fails to deliver the joy and venture that many of us have anticipated. When we were, we just were looking forward to the adventure that you know this last indie was going to be on, and man, it was a disappointing watch. It's probably the 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 number four, sorry, the number five of all the Indiana Jones in terms of uh, order watch for me. But man, it just. It felt like a movie that had an identity crisis. It almost felt like James Mangold couldn't disconnect from the Steven Spielberg look and feel of a movie. And he eventually just made a rejected clone from it. I don't know if you guys felt that same way, but that's how I kind of look at it. It doesn't have that James Mangold vibe that we, we got from Ford versus Ferrari or Logan. It just feels like this doppelganger of an Indiana Jones story. And truthfully, I can't believe the story that the creative team created for this actually is the mo- This is the story that would send off indie. Like it just, I am shocked that the studio didn't stop it or maybe reshoot it or revise it because, man, this movie had a pointless ending. It had an awful send off for Indiana Jones. It just didn't connect. It was tedious to watch it was boring there are things that work for this film truthfully the beginning sequence to this movie is fantastic it takes place in germany it has the the sequence where you've seen in the trailer young indiana jones is you know captive and held by nazis and again he has to fight well, it well let's let not not just young indiana jones d-aged d-aged harrison jones. ford yeah, so it's not like it's not like a the Last Crusade type of opening. It's like right, Anthony said, it right. is the sequences that you keep seeing in the trailers where they're showing mm-hmm. a younger indie that we're probably used to seeing in you know Raiders of the Lost Ark in that era. 
Exactly. And that sequence was fantastic. I friggin' love that sequence. It was amazing. So, so well shot. It was so well told. It kind of set the mood for where the story was going. But after that sequence, once you kind of kick into older indie, it just loses that that speed. It loses the excitement. It loses everything about Indiana Jones. It, it didn't even feel like an Indiana Jones movie. I remember telling you guys, I I kept wondering, like, how many times did we actually see Harrison Ford even talk in this film? Because it just didn't feel like he was even there, even though it it's a movie about him. There were so many other yeah. characters that are the in this. The presence wasn't there, right? It wasn't. Like, you didn't feel the presence of Indy, for sure. And he he kind of gives you this, you know, the there's a play on Indiana Jones being too old for for the adventures that he's on. But, like, truthfully, Harrison Ford is too old to be on this movie. There are times where you just know it. You can see it. You can feel it. He's just, it sucks because you, you, yes, you want to see Harrison Ford play Indiana Jones, but it's also, you, you could clearly tell like, yeah, he's not running in that scene or he's having trouble running or he's having trouble catching up. He's also 78 and he's doing things that no 78 year old would be able to do at that age, jumping from cart to cart and all that stuff. But yeah, like it's just, it's just, a little a little disappointing or a lot disappointing this movie it it really heavily focuses on um or relies on cg as a as you know a substitute for a lot of the scenes especially if you watch the sequence when they're in tangiers and they're racing through the the city there's a lot of in car sequence and you could tell that they weren't shooting outdoors. They weren't shoot. They were shooting on a green screen behind a green screen, and you could actually see like the outlines of these characters that were very a little bit of the halo around them, very right? uh, distracting. Yeah. Yes, uh, definitely a halo. And there were parts where we were talking about this in the car, where you know you know that they were actually on location in uh, Morocco or in Sicily or in New York, but it just felt like a lot of it was shot in a studio as well, like. Why wouldn't you just shoot a lot of these live action shots, these practical things there? And we were talking about how COVID could have been a big part of this, you know, this production. And I don't, I really, really hope that this movie was going to be good. And when it came out during Cannes and it had that whole standing ovation, which was lackluster, I remember reading that in the title. It just <laughs> felt a lackluster standing ovation. <laughs> And it was like a five-minute lackluster standing ovation. Yeah. I think that's what and I feel said. like it was more for Harrison Ford than anything. And, right? Yeah, and Harrison Ford got a, a a longer one after. But I was just blown away that man, you have James Mangold who came off of Ford versus Ferrari, who told this story about two guys building a car, and it was so wonderfully done. And you expected him to take on Indy and just elevate it and give it that style and that vibe that he, as a director should be doing like, like his own take. But at the end of it, yeah. it became a Spielberg knockoff. And I just, yeah, I just was shocked that this was, this was something that actually came out and you hear it a lot. You hear a lot, you know, these movies, they go through reshoots and revisions. And I just couldn't understand how the studio would be able to say, this is the send off for Indiana Jones. This is what we, this is the fond farewell that we want to give him. 
and I was just like, that's so wrong. It's 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 funny you mentioned though, especially with Ford versus Ferrari and James Mangold, because also you look at what he did with Logan, where you have a character who's been around for two decades at that point, and you gave them a really incredible send off of what their character uh, that's true to who their character was, and it didn't feel like we got any type of send-off with Indy in this but I do want to say and I echo you Anthony and I know Shay the sentiment's the same for you the first 20 minutes of Dial of Destiny is amazing it is everything I could have hoped for in an Indiana Jones film especially or well, mostly because it's in Nazi Germany and I think Indiana Jones works best when he's fighting Nazis and yes Mads Mikkelsen and crew they are you know they are Nazis they are trying to you know change the world and do whatever they want to do uh but when you take it out of you know that 40s time period and this is the same issue that kingdom the crystal skull had when you said it in the 50s it's you know it loses a little bit of the purpose of what this character kind of was and i think the nazis are were are you know in film side easy like classic good guys for indy to fight because they're evil and indiana jones will always fight against that right and when you have their inclusion in this film it's really interesting because this film takes place mostly in 1969 and it introduces a lot of new elements into the indiana jones world that is not obviously it's indiana jones is is full of different you know magic and spiritual and you know and aliens that we saw in the last film and then there's new elements get introduced in this one that make it a little bit too out of reach and a little bit too out there than I think works best when it's just Indiana Jones punching a Nazi in the face. Shabazz, jump on it. Yeah, there are some telltale signs when we're watching a movie together that it's not going well. The experience of the film isn't resonating with us. And one of those is when we're watching something and none of us have, you know, kind of said to each other, what do you think so far? None of us has said, like, hey, so what's going on? Yeah, no, no one's leaning over. No one's leaning over. And if we're leaning over, like, I think I leaned over to you at one point to talk about something else, Daniel. I can't remember what it was. And then to, to, to Anthony, I'm like, what's going on? And, and, like, it just, there was a level of confusion throughout the entire film. Because that first 20 minutes, like you guys said, oh, it's, I was like, when it started, I'm like, how is this movie getting bad buzz? It, it mm-hmm. feels like it's hitting all the right notes. This seems like the Indiana Jones film that I was promised. James Mangold has injected something into here that feels like his own, but still pays tribute to the entire franchise before it. And then so, so quickly after, does it completely fall flat? And it's and it's such an unfortunate situation because you have a great cast here. You have, we have Boyd Holbrook, who we had on our show, who... I think is such a phenomenal actor because he's able to kind of teeter this line of charming yet asshole. And he did such a great job in the Sandman. Then also you look back at Logan where he was a really good villain in that movie. Mm-hmm. And obviously directed by James Mangold as well. And in here he's, he's relegated to just being like a, like a henchman, barely any lines kind of just going from scene to scene, chasing down Indiana. And there's absolutely not much of a connection between these characters. It's really Mads, who's this evil villain. And Mads Mikkelsen, I love to death, but isn't really given much here other than Mads, stare at the camera. Okay, look a little menacing. Don't really have a line here. Say something ominous. There could have been so much given to him. You look back at his performance of Le Chiffre in Casino Royale, and he is such a good menacing actor. In anything else he does also, he's got... If, <laughs> he's the classic villain at, in everything, right? He's just always a villain. 
But then, Daniel, you look at a movie like Rogue One where he's a, a bad guy for sure, but a heart of gold and it works as well. So Mads can play both sides. And then you have someone like Antonio Banderas who I guess kind of like a cameo in the smell film. I can't tell what exactly his purpose was in this movie because he doesn't really have any lines either and he's kind of relegated to being in the background and then you have phoebe waller bridge who i don't know too much about i thought she was just okay she didn't really excite me she didn't push the movie forward uh, her character wasn't very lovable and that's that's kind of a bummer because you keep hearing about how fantastic she is and i'm not basing the rest of her personality and who she is off of just this one movie but she wasn't really wasn't really the ticket seller or wasn't really the one kind of <clears throat> pushing this movie forward for me at all. There's there's a lot of spotty CG. You even have another young character in this movie where, you know, kind of like how we had short round before, we get another young character in this one called Teddy, who again also doesn't really do much. He's not really annoying or anything like that, but he's there as a plot device for one of the silliest third acts I think I've seen in the film all year where it just kind of with something should be exciting and it becomes really silly and really stupid like if you thought aliens in kingdom of the crystal crystal skull was a big leap th this is going to be like you did this is the ending of the film you did this and you expect us to be okay with it because the crime of that ending is it's extremely boring it has absolutely no payoff and when it ended there was this when when the final scene was occurring i know for a fact this is the one time where all three of us were kind of like is is what's happening right now real or yeah we, i li i remember uh, leading to you shabazz and saying like i'm I'm confused. Like I, I, I literally was. Confused. I felt we we felt unsettled. We felt like something yeah. is about to happen right now. It's going to be a big fake out. Bombs are going to go off. It's going to turn out to be a dream all the way. And then it just vignettes on it on the hat and closes the uh, scene. And we're like, oh, the movie's done. That's the ending of Indiana Jones. And it felt disrespectful to the character. I was so bummed out. You you can have a great opening sequence in a movie but when 90% of the rest of the film is boring uninspired feels like it's trying to imitate what Steven Spielberg has brought before you really lost me and I'm, I'm I'm so bummed out by that I definitely thought that the cans reviews and everything were just a reflection on maybe that audience kind of being out of touch or not wanting to like blockbusters or whatever it could be I, I was like no there's no way James you try and make it make sense right you try and make it make sense yeah and you and uh, again we yeah. go to every film with the just the the idea of let's Let's just have a great time with this. Let's forget about what we've heard and let's have fun. And then when it ends up matching what we've heard, we're like, damn, that's disappointing. Uh, before I go, I, Anthony, I know you had something to say. I'd love for you to jump in. Oh, I just wanted to say like the action sequences in this movie are really well done, but they don't lead to anything and they usually become a little bit too long. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like It felt certain yeah, ones felt very, very long and in terms of Phoebe Waller-Bridge, she was she's such a talented actress. They use her in such a way that is the moment you see her and you mo the moment you understand her character, it's such a foreshadowing of what to expect from her. And I think when you have a little bit of mystery with the character, I think that would have been better for the whole experience with her because I feel like Disney wants to create maybe spin-offs 
of Indiana Jones with her in the mix because there are vibes of her being an adventurous person and doing all these things. And she's also a woman. So it's, it's a completely different uh, dynamic and diversity thing. But it just, her character just kind of felt like, yeah, I've seen her character before on screen many, many, many times. Why, why would you write her in like this? Why would we have this such a generic character that we've experienced before? Uh, that's that's all I wanted to say. Yeah, and and I, I want to jump off that point. I think you know you mentioned the action. There's some really cool set pieces in this film, uh, but exactly like you said, Anthony, they go on really uh, way too long, and also it just kind of turns into like oh, it's just a chase. Everything turns into like in a chase or an escape, or we're trying fetch to catch quest. something. It's a fetch quest, and it's like you could only do that so much in a movie. And this movie's long. Like, like when I say the first, when we say the first twenty minutes of this movie is phenomenal, it is. But you still got another two hours and ten minutes that follow that, right? And when your movie feels like such stop and go, stop and go, stop and go, you're going to feel a little exhausted. Other than the, you know the opening sequence, I will say the things that I do like in this film. Obviously, John Williams is returning for the score. He's never going to let us down. That was, you know, it's another banger score. It's the Indiana Jones theme song, which I, I really do think. It's probably the greatest film score, the film theme ever in the history of film. That is one of my, it's probably my favorite. It gives me chills anytime I think about it. I'm getting goosebumps right now. And it is used pretty effectively and often throughout this film. Uh, like we said, there are some really cool action set pieces, but because things go on a little too long, you just get immediately pulled out of it. Or you just got a little confused as to, you know, who's playing who, what's going on here. Yeah, it's, you know, people are going to turn on you. That is a classic, you know, charm of Indiana Jones that you're going to get characters that turn on you. You're going to get characters you trust and then they don't, then you can't trust them anymore and then you do trust them. That is just part of, you know, what makes an Indiana Jones movie an Indiana Jones movie. But when you have a story that's just boring, I think that's the biggest crime you could do is that you made an Indiana Jones film that is the majority of the time boring and you feel just so disconnected and we spoke about harrison ford who you know harrison ford is harrison ford he's playing more harrison ford at this point than he's playing indiana jones where he is playing that you know that curmudgeon who doesn't want to you know want to do things but when he gets called to action and he wants to do stuff it's great seeing those moments you know i think we look at the trailer and some of my favorite sequence in this film other than the beginning you know him horseback going through new york going through the subway there's some really cool moments and then the third act of this film um i was really hoping would go in a direction that would you know really change the stakes and uh, again we're not gonna we're not gonna spoil anything that happens in here but you know if you're wondering what the dial of destiny is and what it could do you could probably just imagine based on what you've seen in the trailers and what a dial and time and what that's all going to entail. But it really does, I think, take a big leap into a direction where I don't think Indiana Jones really felt like it kind of lives in that space. And maybe if it was used effectively or if it was used in a different matter, I think it would have maybe played off a little bit better. But because the way they use it is so boring and just so just okay we're just kind of relegated to not really being in the action we're kind of far away from it and i know i'm i'm speaking a little bit you know um 
nuts in in, in in actual description of what's happening i don't want to spoil anything of course but um it really did leave me confused and i and i'm not kidding i literally leaned over to shay after you know the big kind of final act and i leaned over to shay and i'm like i i don't i'm confused as to what's happening right now because it just feels like the movie just it slams on the brakes and it just ends and you're just like oh i i guess i i guess the movie's done and and that's kind of where i was at where you're getting a lot of stuff especially in that first 20 minutes that as an indiana jones fan i loved it and it just made me go just made me so excited i wish we could have had a whole film set in that time period and again who knows in the future i know right now they're saying this is the end who knows if they ever decide to revisit we have the technology to tell these stories and if you want to keep telling stories in that with a dh harrison ford i'm not saying do it i think Indiana Jones, really the ending of that was The Last Crusade riding out into the sunset. That really is the end. Um, and it's interesting that we have another character who uh, we look at, you know, Michael Keaton coming back in The Flash, and we have Harrison Ford coming back, and we had they both had their films in 1989, and since then, anything that we've seen of them in, in this world hasn't really felt like it's matched anything that has come before. It just feels like we are bringing these characters back to appease that nostalgia and when and i think anthony said it so well in our flash review is that if you're just having fan service or fan service stake or sake then you're not really getting you know a real great story out of it and i feel like james mangold and and the team behind this could have really told a stronger story that felt more of a send-off to this character and what we got was very much a mixed bag of a great opening and just, you know, a stop and go of, of the rest of the film that really left my mind after after leaving the theater, unfortunately. With that all being said, I would love to get to our final recommendations. Anthony, I'm going to get you to start us off. This is a skip it for me. That's it. That's all I got. I, uh, I, I, I said everything I got to <laughs> say, man. I got, I said like, I, what you, I, I could end off with like a little, but I'm just going to say it's a skip it. It's a skip it. And then I'm going to close on the vignette us, of your head. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you tell us, it's going to be a really quick, like, uh, you know what the, the, the telltale sign is when you tell us, I'm going to be really quick about this. It's a blah. Then you start talking longer. It's just when yeah. you're like, guys, I'm going to be honest to skip it. And that's, and that's it. it. And you just, yeah. <laughs> you just kind of don't say anything after that. Uh, I'll go next. You know, for me, it's, it's, it's hard to say it. You know, it's a, it's a skip it for me as well. You know, uh, an incredible opening sequence. Some of the great Indiana Jones moments. For me, that's not enough. If, if you're really curious, I'd say wait for Disney Plus, if anything. But for me, this is a film, when I, when I think back on it, there's not a lot that I could say that really, you know, landed for me outside of that opening sequence of the film so for me i'm right there with you it's a skip it shabazz skip it as well i think there's just some there's frustration around the idea that this is us saying goodbye to the character because i i i will not accept it <laughs> like that's not how <laughs> i just i'm sad like that's how you're telling us this is the end it it well felt so open-ended and it felt just so not satisfying like i still don't believe what i watched like it was the bummer but yes yeah, yeah it definitely is yeah and and like we said there's there's a lot in this movie we spoke about a lot over the last 30 minutes so let us know what you think you know please leave a comment below if you're watching this on youtube if you're listening to this on apple Podcasts, on spotify leave a review leave a comment spotify is a great new option where you could actually comment below 
on a specific review. So let let us know what you think of this movie once you watch it. Join our Discord. Let's have a conversation there. We have an incredible community of movie lovers. Even though this one didn't really land as much for us, we still want to talk about it with you. We still want to keep that conversation going. So please join us there. All the information you need to know is in the show notes below, as well as our socials like Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Letterboxd. You can follow us at The Movie Podcast. We have some incredible videos on there. That's the best place to find out what we're up to, what reviews, what interviews are coming. So stay tuned for all of that and more. That was this time with The Movie Podcast, and we'll see you next. Star Wars meets Platoon. Fearless Fred presents Mud 79, a fan-made Star Wars story like you've never heard before. At 17, Solomon Kwai joins the Imperial Army, becoming part of the Galactic War Machine. But will he survive? Get down! Lead the way and list today. Fearless Fred presents Mud 79, a fan-made Star Wars story. Available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your favorite podcast.